Hey, everybody. My name is Nadiel, and welcome back to the Sunday Table podcast, um, where we're dissecting key topics in the Bible, and we're talking about life as a young Christian. Uh, and our goal with this is just to shape culture one talk at a time. Uh, welcome to another one of our teaching episodes. Uh, these aren't sermons. We're not here to preach at you. These are these are just teachings based off of Scripture. Um, our goal with these with this podcast is to have not only teaching episodes, but also to have story time episodes. We're going to be having a Q&A coming out soon with a pastor, a good friend of Eli and ours. Um, and yeah, we just really want to have a good uh, uh, you know, variety in our content. Um, and ultimately, we want this to be a podcast for those who are experts in the scriptures and for those who simply aren't. We want it to be potent enough for those who know the Bible to glean from, yet clear and accessible enough for those who've never even opened it. And this podcast, it is simply an outpouring of the love that we have for the Lord. Uh, this has been a dream of mine for a long time to, to start a podcast, and now that I actually get the chance to do it with a good friend of mine, um, you know, it's a dream come true, and I'm really, really happy to be able to do this and for you guys to be listening in. Um, yeah, so let's just get right into it. This is Jesus is God Explained, part two. Um, last episode, we uh, talked about scriptures that show evidence of Jesus being God. While the phrase, Jesus is God, is not found in scripture, uh, uh, the, the, the truth of Jesus being God is all throughout it. Uh, some of the scriptures that we use are from the Old Testament, Isaiah 9-6, and from the New Testament, John 8-58. And I also shared a story of a theological conversation with a sweet Jehovah Witness woman that I met at Lakefront named Donna. Uh, check it out if you haven't already. Um, in this episode, what we're going to be doing uh, in part two, we're going to be dissecting the significance of the incarnation, which is God becoming flesh, uh, how did Jesus become incarnate? How did that even happen? And why would Jesus do such a thing? And we're going to break it down using one of my favorite scriptures of all time, that being found in Philippians chapter 2. And every single one of our teaching episodes have a focus. So the focus of this episode is Jesus had to be man in order to pay the full price for sin. I'm going to say it again. Jesus had to be man in order to pay the full price for sin. That's what we're going to be dissecting. Um, before we get into it, I really do hope you guys are enjoying the content we're putting out. Um, if you have any video suggestions or a topic that you want us to dissect, let us know through our socials. Um, we've already had a lot of you guys already hit us up with things that you want us to talk about, that being the fivefold ministry, spiritual gifts, the prosperity gospel, the church. Um, you know, keep on sending it our way. We won't. We can't promise that we're going to talk about those things, but we'll definitely keep it in our vault so that we know. You know, it could be something that we'll be talking about soon. Um, so yeah, send it our way uh, on our socials, either through our Sunday Table Instagram or through our personal social medias on Instagram. That being mine and Eli's. Uh, so before, um, let's just get right into it. I have a story to share, actually, another one. So before um, I jumped into making podcasts, which was just this year. I started off by making TikToks. That was my main form of like content producing online. It was just through TikTok, which is something that I actually still enjoy doing, and it's not something that I want to stop. Um, and in my year and a half long tenure, um, I've encountered many, many different characters uh, through my TikTok. Some of them I've become great friends with, who you know we exchange numbers and I'm in conversation with them. Others have been, you know through my comment sections under my videos, and some of them are very, very nice and encouraging people, but a lot of them uh, are very, very critical, and some of them are downright disrespectful even. Um, you know, producing content online, I know for those of you who do produce content online, you kind of have to grow a thick skin, and you kind of got to be very firm in what you believe in, because 
you meet everybody online. Um, and I remember I posted a video one night. This was sometime last year. Um, and I put my phone on my desk after I posted it. Um, I didn't touch my phone for the rest of the night, if I remember correctly. And I, I put on Do Not Disturb, and then I went to bed. And whenever I woke up, my notifications were blown up. Like, I logged on to TikTok, and it was just, like, a, an insane amount of DMs, comments, just, just a bunch of things. Now, now, these weren't encouraging and supportive comments. Some of them were. A lot of the people who were commenting were actually people having debates and even attacking one of the things that I taught in one of these videos, uh, if I remember correctly, that was the dual nature of Christ as God and man. And I remember specifically, there was this one guy, I will never forget him, because um, he didn't just comment one time. He would, he would leave a string of comments. He would, he would uh, in TikTok, you can only write in 150 characters, so you can't really say a lot. But he would write like 20 different comments, copied and pasted, under a bunch of my videos. And a lot of these comments were just trying to, 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 to kind of do away with what I taught. And he was also being very, very rude, rude and he was ridiculing what I was teaching. Now, I had ignored it. Um, you know, I didn't really pay much mind to it. But the more that I continued to post videos, he kept on commenting literally the same things over and over and over again. He would spark debate with other people in my comment section and all this other stuff. Um, I, I never really responded back. Sometimes I would delete his comments because some of them just didn't make any sense. Other times I would just leave them there. And one day after I posted a video and he posted the same exact string of comments, um, I decided to retaliate. And this is the first time I talked to him. And I said something along the lines of like, hey man, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I'm not going to have a debate with you in a TikTok comment section. Feel free to keep commenting, but just know that like what you're doing is not helpful. Like it's not effective. And I remember he responded back almost immediately, and he was super super apologetic. He went from being very very rude and disrespectful to being someone who was looking for forgiveness and being super apologetic and just, and I remember something that he said that really stuck with me. He said, I'm sorry, I just wanted to spread my truth. Now something, that's something that we should take note of. He said, I want to spread my truth. Uh, this is such an interesting thing to say because it reminded me that many different people in our world have their own personal truth. Now whenever I say truth, I'm not simply talking about an opinion. I'm talking about a person's worldview, what they define as right and wrong, the lens in which they view life. All throughout history, it is these prevailing personal truths that have led to revolutions, genocide, crusades, persecutions, war, innovation, creativity. That is a power that a lot of these personal truths have. In our very first teaching episode on the wrath of God, I spoke about these different worldviews and their effect in our world. We see it very, very clearly uh, throughout the world wars in the, in the, in the 20th century. Um, a very, very famous man, his name is George Orwell, he, he, he said something that has circulated uh, a lot. Um, it was even in Spider-Man uh, uh, Far From Home, like they said in that movie, which is crazy. But he said this, he said, the very concept of objective truth is fading out of the world. Lies will pass into history. I'll say it again. He said, the very concept of objective truth is fading out of the world. Lies will pass into history. Now, to an extent, I agree with him. Uh, many no longer believe in one objective truth. We live in a world with many different personal truths. And if you were to put these truths to the test, 
you'd see that many of them fall flat on their face. And in our world, I believe what we need is we need a truth that is consistent, sound, authoritative, and can withstand oppositions. And I believe, and this is what I've been teaching these past few episodes, that Jesus is that truth. Now, I'm not, not, not just the words of Jesus, but Christ himself is truth. You guys know the famous passage in John 14, 6. And if you don't know it, I'll quote it right now. Jesus is talking, and he's speaking to his disciples, and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, notice something. Christ is not pointing to anything else in this powerful statement except himself. He's not pointing to, if you follow this, then you're in truth. He's not saying, oh, follow, follow, follow this practice, and then you'll be in truth. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I am truth. There's nothing else that's truth except for me. So in part one, we talked about how scripture teaches that Jesus is God in flesh. And by the way, cool fact, he, he will, whenever we uh, see the Lord in eternity, he will still be flesh when we see him. We're going to be worshiping a man on the throne whenever we get to heaven. The God-man, Jesus, uh, he's not going to be this other essence. He will still be flesh. He's forever now incarnate, um, which is beautiful because whenever we get to heaven, we're going to see the nails uh, or the holes in his hands and, and maybe in his feet and maybe in his side. Uh, one theologian believes that we will still see the scars from all the lashings on his back and on his body. It would still be visible in, in eternity, which is just insane to think about. Um, and now in this episode, I wanted to answer three questions. Now, what is the significance of Jesus being flesh? How did he do this? Why would he do this? What is the significance of it? How did he do it? And why would he do such a thing? And I believe that all scripture shows us why, but to, to, for the sake of the podcast, I wanted to um, break it down into uh, one set of scriptures, and that being Philippians 2, 5 to 11, it gives us our answer in condensed form through him. Uh, this scripture is actually known as the kenosis passage, which is a Greek word for Christ's emptying of himself for our sake and becoming fully receptive to the Father's will. This also speaks on Christ's dual nature. Now, before we continue in reading the passage, this is important to note. I actually learned this in seminary school. Um, how, how did we get to, that, to the final conclusion of Jesus being both God and man? Well, uh, after much discussion during the early church era, this was around the year 300 to 400 to 500, there was much heresy in the church. A lot of people had many different perspectives on Christ. There was even one man, I think his name was Arius, I think he was like a priest or something, and he taught that, he, he actually made this slogan back then, and it, it caught like worldwide acclaim. The slogan was, there was, there was once a time when Christ was not, in reference to Jesus being born, that he cannot be God if he was born. Um, there, there was much, much heresy in the early church. And so the church and the bishops and the leaders had to figure out a way um, to, to establish what is true doctrine based off of the apostles' teaching and based off of everything that we know in the Old Testament. Because um, back then, at, at least during the very, very early church era, they didn't have a New Testament. All the scriptures that they used was just Old Testament. And out of the Old Testament, they were able to, to, to learn who Jesus is. And then as the New Testament started getting um, um, you know, made into the canon of Scripture, they were able to, 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 to finally uh, create something that is called a creed. Um, and a creed is just basically statements of faith. It's like this giant paragraph of what we believe in as Christians. And this creed is something that we as Christians follow. In fact, what we follow today, many of you, 
if you don't know it, um, it's called the Apostles' Creed. And all the Apostles' Creed says is that it teaches that, that, that you know, Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Uh, Jesus Christ came to pay down the price for our sin. The Holy Spirit now dwells in the believers. All that stuff. It, it, it just, it's stuff that we know as Christians. But back then, this wasn't very like, well-known by people. Many people thought that they could just bring any form of thinking, any thought pattern, anything foreign that is pagan and try to bring it into Christianity. But, but that never proved to, to be helpful. And there was one moment um, where, where these church leaders had a council. This is called uh, the Council of Chalcedon in the year 451. And it had to do with them literally just discussing the nature of Christ. And they laid down this formulation. And this has been recognized to this day still as Christian orthodoxy. It is this, it is this, this quote, and I'll read it to you slowly. This is what they agreed to, and this is what we believe about today, about Jesus' nature. Jesus is truly God and truly man, and is to be acknowledged in two natures without confusion, without change, without division, without separation. The distinctions of natures being by no means taken away by the union, but rather the characteristic property of each nature being preserved and coming together to form one person. The church of that era established that Jesus Christ is one God-man with two distinct but inseparable natures. Now that is key for us to understand. Once I can understand that, which is what's taught in scripture, everything that I read in the Bible now, it makes so much more sense. Now I'm able to understand why Jesus was the way that he was as human. Uh, he wasn't more God than man, and he wasn't more man than God. He was both equally. Um, there was one, actually my old Bible mentor, who's still a great friend of mine. I hope he's listening right now, Pastor Nelson. He taught me um, that phrase that Jesus is truly God and truly man. He is truly God and truly man. He is not more so the other. And so back to the scripture, Philippians chapter 2. Um, in this chapter, Paul is encouraging the church of Philippi to be like Christ in humility. And in doing so, we get to this segment from uh, Philippians 2, 5 to 11, where Paul shares a hymn all about Jesus. And I love this. I, 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 I am not good at memorizing scripture at all, but this is something that I really, really want to learn uh, and have it in my heart forever so that I can always just recite it. And it literally is, just, just talks about the nature of Christ very beautifully. So let's break it down verse by verse. Um, it starts off like this. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ. Verse 6, Jesus, who being in very nature God. What does that mean? He is literally God. Paul is saying he is of the same essence as God. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. What does that mean? Well, when Jesus became incarnate, he was still fully God, but he didn't cling to the privileges of his godliness. What does that mean? Jesus, when he roamed the earth, he allowed himself to feel human sorrow, to be hungry. He allowed himself to feel tired, to feel pain. He allowed himself to die. You know, Jesus says, no one can, can, can take my life unless I lay it down on my own accord. What does that mean? He has the authority to, to die. Like, he gave himself that, that right to die, to be like you and us. When he became incarnate, he was still fully God. And then the next uh, segment of it, it says, rather... Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Now understand something. Listen to what I'm about to say here. No deity was subtracted. Rather, humanity was added to his nature. He didn't become less God whenever he roamed the earth. He was still God, 
humanity was added to his nature at the incarnation. And rather than relying on his privileges as God, he allowed himself to be a carpenter from the small town of Nazareth. That just blows my mind that Jesus was a carpenter, that he had a profession, he had a job. That's awesome. What does that tell us? Christ is the humble king. Uh, the theologian Matthew Poole once taught that even as a king, by laying aside the token of his royalty and putting on the habit of a merchant, when all the while he didn't cease to be king or the highest in his own dominion. I love that quote by Matthew Poole. And then we continue reading in verse 8. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Crucifixion was, and I believe still, is the worst form of penalty for a criminal in ancient Rome. I don't think people are crucifying each other now, but I still think just, just how disturbing it was, it's still known as the worst form of penalty. Because not only was it excruciatingly painful, it was also humiliating. You hung on a cross, struggling to breathe, with no, no opportunity of rest, as people walk by and see you as a public spectacle of what happens to those who oppose Rome. That's what crucifixion was. It was a public statement so that people can see, oh, you want to commit a crime? You want to you go against our authority? This is what happens to you. And Jesus, I want you to know something. He hung on that cross naked. The God-man hung on the cross naked. Most artistic depictions of the crucifixion has him clothed, but in reality, he was most likely naked on that cross. Just imagine all the followers of Jesus there and hearing of the story of Christ hanging there naked. It was humiliating for a man to be naked in front of everyone in this way. But God allowed himself to go through this. That's how much Christ humbled himself. Now let's answer why he would do such a thing. Well, what was his motive? It was simply love. That was his motive, love, for you and for me. All of the Bible teaches that God loves his people. And God is not here to destroy his people. In fact, he just wants to redeem his people. You've heard it been said that God loves you. That is the most popular phrase, that Jesus loves you. But I pray that God allow us to fully understand that he loved you to the point of hanging naked and humiliated to become your sin. He didn't just take your sin. First uh, Corinthians 5.21, I think it's 2 Corinthians, one of the two. It teaches that, that he didn't just take my sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we wouldn't have to pay the price for our sin. You know, the book of Hebrew teaches that the only way for sin to be paid for is through blood sacrifice. That's what God established in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, sin was atoned for through the sacrifice of animals, of the lambs, of the rams. But in the New Testament, it is through the sacrifice of Christ. It is the new covenant. The spotless and blameless Lamb of God was the sacrifice for our sin. Hebrews 9.22 and verse 28 says this. I'm going to read it all together. It says, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And then verse 28 says, So Christ was crucified once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Listen to this. I got this from a quote. I don't remember where I got it from. But the quote says this, The Son of God became man so that man could become the sons of God. That is the gospel message. God became man so that we could become the sons of God. 
not having a righteousness of our own, but a righteousness that is found and only found through Christ. I love the Bible. Book of Hebrews is probably my favorite book in the Bible because um, it's literally a sermon. Um, yeah. So let's keep on reading Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Let's read it straight through. He went through all of this. And what happened as a result? God exalted him to the highest place, and he gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Christ returns, every knee will bow. The unbeliever, the believer alike, every knee will bow as he breaks the sky. I believe he'll break the sky at the Mount of Olives uh, where he ascended. Every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Christ died as a lamb, and when he returns, he will come back as reigning king, restoring the world. So what is the significance of Jesus being flesh? And we'll end off in this. This is based off of Romans 5. Listen to what I'm about to say here. When Adam, the first man, sinned, we were all cursed with sin as his offspring. But when Jesus, the Son of God, lived the perfect life and died a sinner's death, he paid the price for man's sin because God the, the Father put it all on him. He did away with the first Adam, and he brought forth the second Adam, Christ. And so Christ died as if it were us. And so since we died with Christ, we are then resurrected with him too, as new creations. That's a gospel. That is a beautiful gospel message. Jesus had to be man to take our sin, and he had to be God to resurrect from the grave and defeat sin once and for all. I hope that these past two episodes on Jesus being God bless you greatly. Thank you for joining us. Uh, follow us on social medias at Sunday Table on Instagram and at TikTok as well. Uh, we'll be posting on our TikTok soon. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for supporting us. Uh, we've, re we've received so much support, and we've only been a month in, and, and I'm just very, very honored that you guys would actually you know, listen to us. Uh, I hope it's blessing you. Let me know what you guys think through my socials. And, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. God bless. <laughs>